miss his money line. His money line. His money line. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Yeah, we made it. You just talk. If they hate it, you know they're watching. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Lights, camera, action. Hello, world. Welcome into Moneyline. Yeah, it's Sunday again, and we meet at the same spot, same time. And that's Josh Jordan at Josh Jordan 97.5 is where you can find him. What's going on, my man? What's going on, Jerry? Another Sunday closer to football season, man. It's, it's on the horizon. On the horizon is that football season you speak of, but also is the three-year, hate to use anniversary, but let's call it the three-year anniversary of the show since this whole thing started. Hey, here we are coming into our fourth season, but... It feels good, man, to to everyone keeps always saying, man, why don't y'all get shirts made or something like that? And I always say, man, I don't want to get cursed. <laughs> yeah. yep. my, I, my luck, uh, I uh, I get bad beat on that. I, I make some shirts, and then before you know it, I get fired. I don't want to do that, um, so I'm going to try to play it safe for now. But for as of right now, we've almost made it to our, our third uh, year, uh, upcoming fourth season. So uh, appreciate everyone out there listening right now. We uh, We owe it to you guys. No doubt about it. I can't believe it's been three years already, man. It's flown by. You've grown so much. <laughs> yeah, I've grown like five inches. 713-780-3776. Or my man, uh, Dale, behind the glass, keeping us in line, helping us out for the next few hours. Shout out to everyone on Twitch. If you want to come hang out on Twitch, that's twitch.tv backslash ESPN 97.5. Man, we got a lot to get into. A lot of, uh, I guess it's just NFL now because usually we, we go back and forth and we try to do certain things on, on the offseason and we try to keep it funny in, in moments. Trying to, because during the offseason, there's, there's, there's limited things we could talk about, right? Yep. But now that we, uh, we hit August, it's official, right? It's go time. It's time to get things right. It's time to uh, get you on the right side of fantasy football. It's time to get you on the right side of these futures. And I think that we got a lot of uh, content for you guys coming up. Yeah, man, no doubt about it. I'm I'm excited. Fantasy football is I mean, it's it's what I live for. I love this stuff. So I'm I'm ready to start talking some fantasy, looking at some rankings. Not a whole lot going on with the Texans. You know, the Deshaun stuff is still just kind of what it is. You know, I don't expect anything to really change. Um I was thinking like from a fantasy perspective, like is there even anybody on the Texans like you would really want? Maybe Brandon Cooks in the ninth round or tenth round. You or think that's like. going to be that far down? Yeah, I just I don't see a you know. Terod Taylor's not known for pushing the ball down the field that much, and Cooks is a burner. So I just wonder how many deep opportunities he'll have this year. Now, talking about Watson, we say we don't have new any new happenings, but have you heard that? The one-on-one with the uh, one of the accusers that that uh, the things that she went into details about. Yes, I actually did a, a sports map video with John Gernado, and we we covered that whole thing. And those are some graphic details that she goes into. And, and I don't. Want, I mean, I'm not going to go out and just say for a hundred percent that I'm sure that it, that it's true. But I mean, just listening to it, it, 
it pushed me even further away from from the Watson fan crowd. You know, it pushes me even further away, whether it's true or not. To me, it's like I'm I'm truly I, I believe in where there's smoke, there's a fire. And and if it was, I hate that Watson guy keeps coming down. I'm like, yeah, they're always like, you, what, you're just gonna take you're gonna take a person's word for it. not a person's. We're talking about a group, yeah. not just a small group, a big group. And then now that you hear this kind of story, it's like, if this is true, the, the man's got a problem. Now we're hearing that HPD has that, that's you know the video that's been circling around on YouTube. They want to talk to the to to that person and see what's what's going on because that accuser or or that person that says everything that happened. Uh, according to her in her situation, she hadn't come forward as, as far as civil suit. Yeah, she's not in the Busby civil suit. So it, she's not you know, looking for a cash grab as of now, the way it looks. Does so, that make it look more truthful? Well, yeah. I mean, who she got death threats over this. People were, like, leaving messages on her phone of, like, gunshots. You know what I mean? Seriously. Like, like, is that where we are now? Yeah. Look, like it or not, half of Texans fans think that the Texans somehow set up Deshaun. You know what I mean? I, I don't buy into that at all. But, you know, the, the Texans have done so many things over the last couple of years with O'Brien and Easterby and the Hopkins trade and Cal McNair. The, the fan base doesn't believe in those guys. So, you know, that they'll they'll listen to these conspiracy theories because they, they've screwed up so many decisions. Where do we draw the line, though? Bigfoot? Uh, the Texans set up this, you know, that's right around the same to me. Yeah. Come on. The Texans set this up. Let's get real about this. I know it it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, we're seeing the, what they are saying, or they're leaking to the media that they want for Deshaun, you know, like three first round picks and two starters or, you know, some kind of combination of that. And, you know, Michael Lombardi, I know you follow his stuff quite a bit. He said what I was thinking. Like, I don't think the Texans are legitimately trying to trade him if that's the asking price. And then you hear Texans fans be like, oh, that's not true. Look, you know, look what Matt Stafford went for. And I'm like, yeah, but Matt Stafford's not being sued by 22 people and could possibly be suspended. There's a difference. Huge difference. And it's a lot of hearsay, she said, because we, we were getting reports that, Earlier this week, actually, I saw a headline that said that talks with the Eagles are heating up. And then all of a sudden you come back and, you, like you said, Lombardi comes back and says that's not true. And then some people say that the Texans aren't even answering the phone. But yeah. then I see someone local from the other station, and you figure they got to have some kind of more inside plug than a national guy. And they come out and, and quote tweet that and say, yeah, I don't believe this one bit. And I'm thinking, well, do they know some? Are they answering phone calls? Are they? You think that? You really going to lead me to believe that they're not answering phone calls? What do you think right now? Well, Jake Glazer said they're not really getting back to He's teams. the one. Yeah, he said that it was what before the Hall of Fame game, right? He talked about that. Here's what I think is happening is teams really aren't ready to give up a, a ton for Deshaun because they're worried that some of these might become criminal charges. And if that's the case, that, I mean, he could do jail time. And that's what Florio talked about. Like, notice how it's changed. Like, now they're even talking about Deshaun could do jail time. I think that the interest in Deshaun is being, this is just my opinion, I think it's being leaked by his camp. I think it's being leaked by his agent, Rusty Harden. I think it's Deshaun's side putting out all this, oh, teams are hot for Deshaun, like Rusty Harden said something to that whoa, effect. Whoa, 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 hot for Deshaun. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop he gets right a little there. hot, a little itchy. Stop right there. <laughs> I keep thinking how, how uncomfortable is it going to be no matter what situation it goes to. I know that he came up with the injury that we knew were, was going to come up. Some say it's, it's real. And it very well can be, but 
as soon as you saw him go over to that sideline, someone took a picture, and, and then here come the, the comments. You know, I went down that rabbit hole. And, and I think, well, what's going to happen the first time he goes to another team? Or, or say he's in the playoffs, and how do you want to get to him? We see people throwing trash cans for the Astros. What, what, what happens today? A, 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 an inflatable massage table. You know, something that resembles a table. It's the, it, is that where we're going to be at? Is that going to be something that other players may be used to, against him, towards him? It, whatever the case is. Maybe. I think a lot of the players, though, they, maybe they believe Deshaun. You know, like they, they do see times where, you know, women lie about stuff to get money from athletes. So, you know, they might believe Deshaun. And, and we don't know what happened. I, I tend to believe the women, but we don't know. But what's interesting, we keep hearing the Eagles, right? Like, it's, it's the Eagles. And, uh, you know, Ken Hoffman did an interview the other day with uh, somebody from the Philadelphia market. His name's uh, Glenn Macnow, and uh, he's, a, he's a host for WIP Radio in Philly. And Ken was just like, let me talk to somebody in the Philly market to see if this Deshaun stuff is real. And he's saying the reason people keep thinking it's the Eagles is, A, they have the draft capital, so that makes sense, right? They they have extra draft picks. They could afford to go get them. And the Michael Vick thing. you know. So they're like, oh, they have, they have draft capital, and Michael Vick, they gave him a shot, so that makes sense that they would take a shot with Deshaun. But if you listen to what he says here, it's not really the case. that the, the, the owner had to be talked in to the Michael Vick thing, and Andy Reid had to tell him, like, don't you believe in rehabilitation in prison? And, you know, don't you believe that if somebody paid their due, they should be given another chance? So you hear that, and that's kind of what talked them into doing it. But at the end of the day, he just doesn't think it's going to happen. So let's see what he said. He said that Jeffrey uh, Laurie, the owner – that he's like a big feminist. Yeah, I you know, he has con- yeah, he has like he's been connected to women's organizations and whatnot. He got his doctorate in women's studies <laughs> at school. So how do you think he feels? Yeah, so you know, he may not be the guy that wants to take on somebody that's in Deshaun's situation, and he's ultimately the one that is going to make the big decision there. And with the moment that they got Michael Vick and and the time they took an opportunity or or chance on him. Mentally, and the, I guess, I'm not going to say fixed. Was he fixed all the way? I'm not going to even use that term. But the, I guess, whatever protocol he had to go to and everything that, it, it was on the other side of it. You know, I think on, we still haven't even found out what they're going to find him guilty for, if anything. So I think it's going to be a steps. And, and it's going to be years before we can say, man, maybe he's a changed man. But, yeah. but with Deshaun Watson, is, are we going to? Is that gap really going to exist? Are we going to really wait two or three years, four years, five years? When is that gap? How long does it take to forgive him for something like this as to how long it took for Vic? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is they knew what it was with Michael Vic. You know, like everything was resolved. The cases were resolved. He did his prison time. They didn't think there was anything else that was going to come out. Where with Deshaun... You know, we just talked about the woman that did the YouTube interview. Like, she's not involved in the civil cases. What if the civil cases get resolved with the Busby thing, and then this woman decides to press charges? You know what I mean? Like, there could still be more coming at Deshaun that that hadn't even occurred yet. And I think that's what other teams are worried about is this may not be the end of it. We might think we get to the other side of this, and then another case pops up. And that's where I'm at. Like I said, it's just completely different situations with the Vic, taking a chance on Vic to where you're at with Watson, but also someone would say, yeah, the risk of the rewards also different. Vic at that time in his career wasn't, 
wasn't what Watson could probably be now. Watson could potentially go in there and be a, a franchise guy. Yeah. But we've seen it before, and we've seen fans be forgiving. How quick does a, a fan a fan base forgive what he did in another city? Is it not swept under the rug, but is it, okay, well, he learned his lesson. What lesson was learned if it's immediate to another team? At least with Vic, you felt there was some kind of lesson learned. At one point, Vic was not on top of the world, but he was he was up there in the football world. You know, he, he, he was he – was, Although he wasn't even that great of a passer at times, he yeah. just he was he was so athletic, and he and he and, and from play to play he would make you sometimes think, "Wow, this guy can be great," and he would show off his arm strength and his running ability and whatever the case was. But let's really talk about Vic as a passer. He wasn't just that great of a passer. No, he had a big arm, but he he admitted this afterwards. He kept his playbook in the trunk of his car. You know, he didn't really study the game like he should. And But he could get away with it. He was such a good athlete. You know, the whole Michael Vick experience thing. I mean, he was fun to watch, man. Now imagine, though, a team right now that could, if they took a chance on Watson, and this potentially got, again, I'm not going to use, I don't want to say blown over or swept under the rug, but, okay, he learned his lesson. Let's take a chance on him. And then now you get him for the next eight years. Yeah. That's a win for someone. Yes, and that's what Ian Rappaport said. Was like, look, teams that are interested in Deshaun, they see Deshaun as like a twelve-year investment. You know, so if he gets suspended for eight games, you know, in the grand scheme of things, eight games over twelve years, you'd rather have all that extra time with Deshaun. He's that good a player. Three to one right now, plus three hundred on will the or, or will the Texans trade Deshaun Watson before the season starts? It's three to one. Many say, and we've talked about it here, there's absolutely no advantage for the Texans to do that. Now that the, that the draft is passed, it, regardless, unless they're going to give you someone that you're going to plug and play right now. Some, but other than that, if we're talking about draft picks, those draft picks aren't valid till next season anyways, or yeah. the season's following that. So what's the hurry right now? But to be honest with you, I went ahead and just placed a small bet at 3-1 to one because I think the Texans are that stupid. <laughs> like, they're that dumb that I think that at one point – they're just going to be like, you know what? I'm just tired of this. Let's let's just get them out of here. Yeah, that, that's legitimate concern. I think Casario will wait this thing out and get the best he can for Deshaun because he's kind of like a robot. But I could see Cal and Easterby just just tired of being asked about it and like you know j- just get him out of here. But I think that would be the the wrong move. You need to get the most you can for Deshaun because you don't really have anything else of value on this roster except for you know Mary, Laramie Tunsil. That's about it. That's about it. And. Now that you think back about everything, the investment they made in in Tunsil, the the hauling, that was more right to protect Watson. Yeah. That's literally, that wasn't what it was. And now, all that to protect who? Yeah. You don't need a franchise left tackle right now. By the time this team has a chance at making the playoffs again, Tunsil's going to be an older player or or basically on to his next contract. Big Boss Marshall says winning makes you forget it when, about everything when it comes to football. Yeah. And that's what I, I have a feeling. And, and, and that would be a Houston fan's luck to Watson goes to another team. Maybe it takes him a few years to get going. But how much of a spit in the face would that be if Watson goes and wins a Super Bowl within the next four or five years somewhere? Which very well could happen. Yeah. It's, not, it's yeah. not so far-fetched. No, it's not. They finally got themselves a franchise quarterback, you know, somebody that's, you know, Matt Schaub was okay, but he's no Deshaun Watson. Deshaun's an MVP caliber player. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we didn't even get a year after he signed his contract. I think he signed it in like September. So we're coming up on like 11 months since he signed it. And 
I don't think he'll play another down for the Texans. I mean, Jermaine says this isn't getting resolved until next offseason. The only way it gets done is before before then if, if there's a settlement in civil cases and criminal cases are thrown out. And remember, we talked about the depositions. They don't, they're not until next year. Yeah. So if 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 nothing is done settling wise, where are we gonna go? There's no advantage to the Texans making the trade now. No, you're just gonna have to hold tight. That's what you have to do sometimes. And I hate to be on the same level every every week. It's like, man, here comes the Deshaun talk. But every week we're getting closer to, to week one. What's going to happen? I'm not sure. You listen to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. You're listening to ESPN 97.5. Listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Shout out to everyone hanging out on Twitch this morning. Total Dallas in the house. Hefecito checking in from another state. Big Boss Marshall, as always. Alex Villanueva, shout out to you as well. Nice meeting you finally last night at uh, the UFC where uh, the. The hometown when Derek Lewis fell a little short. I did, huh? Yeah, man. Uh, and and we're gonna talk more football, but just to to get this out of the way, just I don't know what Derek Lewis would get. Sometimes, sometimes we go in there, and early in his career, he was a wild man, but he would gas out. So it would be like, man, he has to win in the first round. As of late, he's composed himself more. He he's lost a lot of weight. And he's a lot more patient, but I don't believe that's where he's the most dangerous. And yesterday, he got picked apart. If you're fighting against a guy that's more technical, right, and you and a guy that's a better fighter as far as just uh, he's a better striker, a better technical fighter, a better grappler, everything pretty much other than the big punch power that, that Lewis has, you figure that you say, hey, you know what, I can't let him just pick me apart. And that's literally what's happened. He stood on the outside, just picked him apart. Every time Lewis tried to get close, he got away, peppered him up, peppered, finally caught him a little bit. It was over. Uh, the crowd was rocking. They say 16,000 fans were uh, were singing Fat Pat, Tops Drop. Right when he came out, Tops Drop came out as always. Everyone knew the, 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 the words, and it was a party. And, again, I don't know if the moment was too big for him. It, 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 he's been in big moments, but this right here for the intern belt is uh, – I hate to see him lose, but that's the way it went down. Yeah, man. Uh, that happens. I was watching the Astros last night, so I didn't really – Watch the USC. You know, I'm not a big MMA guy anyway, but, you know, we were having dinner with some friends and we're kind of watching the Astros game in the background. And nice to see them get back on track, get a win. It was, uh, they were scuffling a little bit. So it's nice to see them get back in the win column. 713 780 3776 at is where you can find us on Twitter. And also hit us up on Twitch. Like I said, we're at twitch.tv backslash ESPN975 if you want to talk anything fantasy, anything gambling, because it is that time of season. August is here, so we will be in full fantasy mode, full football mode. Now we're going to talk about things that, that are happening inside that football world. And when we talk about fantasy, we were talking about Kenny Galladay, right? Kenny G, new spot, uh, a new start, a uh, the arrow was pointing up in fantasy worlds as far as him where he was dra- getting drafted or ADPs, let's call it. And all of a sudden we have a little injury, a nagging one, because when you talk about hamstring injuries, it's ones that you maybe have to let it heal a little longer than you might want so it doesn't come back. And then whenever you look at his resume and you start looking, all right, well, let's look at 
him for particular. In his rookie season, he missed games from a hamstring injury. Last year, again, he's missed from that hamstring injury, and now it happens again. How worried about uh, are you about this? I mean, it's a concern, right? I mean, it, it keeps coming back, and at any point, you know, he can pull it again. So I don't love it. I don't love the Giants' offense either, just in general. You know, I'm getting a little concerned. You know, Saquon Barkley's a guy that you have to take very high in your fantasy draft. And, you know, I was hoping with Kenny Galladay coming over there that, hey, this offense is going to be a little more explosive. That'll help out Saquon Barkley. But now I'm starting to I'm starting to pull away from the Giants a little bit. That's what uh remember we talked about Gettleman and how he falls in love. He tried he tried to bring back Benjamin. What's going on with he's had four players not only get usually okay, you get cut and you, you continue your football journey. There's been four guys already in camp that have retired. <laughs> so what is he doing? We've heard about the fights, the scuffle. Yes. What's going on over there? We heard what Kelvin Benjamin showing up looking like uh Looking like Queen Latifah, yep. out of out of out of shape, supersized. But then he says, "How am I going to play tight end? How am I going to play wide receiver at two fifty one, and I can't play tight end at what two sixty eight or wherever yeah. he was at two sixty five? They're a mess. I, I'm just, I think I'm going to stay away from that team. I, and I, it's unfortunate, man, because I really like the talent of Saquon Barkley. He's an amazing player, but if that offense is bad and he's been he's been hurt a lot, there, there's. There's not a lot I like in New York. I think this division's going to be pretty bad again, like it was last year. How high are you as far as Barkley? If you if you get a top three or four pick in your draft, is he say top three? Is he automatic for you? You have to take him there, or are you not taking a chance on him? No, I'm not. I'm not taking him until you know mid to back end of the uh, the first round. I mean, I don't even. To me, he's a borderline first, second round pick. I, wow. I'm more down on him than a lot of people. Like I, I like Ezekiel Elliott to have a bounce back season this year. I, I would take him over Saquon Barkley. Um, Obviously, McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, yeah. yes. Kamara. Yes, I would take all those guys ahead of him. I think I'd take Kelsey ahead of him too. So you'd open up the tight ends before you go to him. I, I, I just he's always hurt, man. Like. It's hard to count on that. Where do you start the tier two of running backs as far as fantasy? Is it is it Chubb? Is he is he in the in the ones or is he is that where it officially starts the tour? Is it Zeke? Because you got Chubb, Zeke, Aaron Jones, and Taylor all in that six seven range. Yes, I like Aaron Jones out of those guys quite. I'm higher on him than a lot of people. Um, I just I think he's going to catch a lot of passes this year, so I think that helps Aaron Jones. I think Chubb, it it's so depending on your format, right? In non-PPR, Chubb, is a, he's a great number one pick at running back. But in PPR, he doesn't catch that many passes. So, you know, he's kind of a, a good number two running back because he's going to get a lot of rushing yards and he should get a lot of touchdowns. How far into, uh, I guess, split carries do you put into someone being an RB1? Does it? Do, are you more willing to take a chance on a Zeke than a Chubb, knowing that Chubb's going to give up some of his carries uh, and we we spoke yeah. about Zeke last week, and I we I think we both feel the same way. It's a bounce back year for him, I believe. So yeah, he's down ten pounds. He said at the Hall of Fame game when he was talking to Aaron Andrews, and he's going to catch some passes. Uh, you know, Chubb, it's just not going to be a guy that catches a lot of passes. So if it's a PPR, you know, you you might want to like I probably take Devontae Adams over him in a full PPR. Now that we know Aaron Rodgers is there, so those are the decisions you have to make. And Kelsey's in that mix too. Uh, Tyree Kill. 
Austin Eckler, all those guys are going in that in that range. And one of these guys is going to overexceed. One of these middle guys is going to put himself into that one. And whenever you start looking at the Taylor, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, the one that sticks out to me is Eckler. I yep. believe that he has the, the the clearest path to make himself a top three uh, score in his position. Yeah, especially in PPR. Uh, he's going to catch a lot of balls. He's a very good player. You just, you know. He, he dealt with some injuries last year, so you hope that's behind him. But, yeah, I think he's he's going to be going in the first round in pretty much every PPR league. Another wide receiver comes up in the news for the wrong reasons, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Suffers AC joint sprain. Uh, what is the panic meter at right now for Justin Jefferson? Not only guys that have him in dynasty modes, guys that were like, oh, my gosh. And I'm not saying this is nothing major, but still it's nothing that you would like to see going into the season. No, not at all. You know, it's it's unfortunate. He landed on that shoulder, and he's considered day-to-day. I think I think they got the best news possible considering what the injury is. Hopefully, by the time they're playing real games, he's ready to go. But if you want Justin Jefferson, he's he's going in the top 10 out of all the wide receivers. So, And he's still in that, that area despite the injury. Are you more confident a, in an, uh, a Justin Jefferson or a Calvin Ridley? Knowing the situations that we have now, yeah, it, I would go with Calvin Ridley. I he played very well when Julio missed games last year, so I like him a lot. How about guys in front of him? Do, do how? Or let me ask you in this way, because Justin Jefferson, and again, it depends where you get your things. But say they have him around seventh overall wide receiver, anywhere in that range. Yeah, that's but, right. But I've seen some people have him up there in the top three. Well, I mean, he was so amazing last year. You know, what if he improved? So I can see why people believe that. But I'm kind of worried that he had such a big season that he's going to get a lot more attention. Maybe Thielen gets a lot more single coverage. So I always worry about guys that have that breakout year. You typically get a little regression the next year. So I I would be surprised if he has as big a year this year as he did last year because the numbers were huge. I mean, he had a monster season. 713-780-3776. If we're talking fantasy football right now, if you have anything you want to get out there, hey, this is the exact show for that. We're not going to blow it off. You know, sometimes you you always want to – I hate that guy, though, being at the bar and then someone walks up and, the, and then you – what do you do? And you say, you know, I do a little sports for fantasy football. Yep. Then all of a sudden they give you their whole – hey, look, this is my team. Yep. I hate that. But on here, you know, I guess that's what we do. We're here to talk about it, and uh, and not just your situation, but there's a lot of people wondering right now, how high do I take a Barkley, or what do I do with uh, Justin Jefferson? What do I do yeah. in this situation? So if you have those questions, the phone lines are open for you. You can also hit us at Moneyline975. Let's start to uh, keep talking uh, wide receivers here because I think the question that many are going to have is, is who will be the highest uh, wide receiver score for the Titans? Will it be Julio Jones or will it be A.J. Brown? Oh, man. I'd probably lean towards youth, but I can't blame you if you want to take Julio. I mean, I just – I think A.J. Brown is just – I think he's awesome. So I would go with A.J. Brown. Does the changing of offensive coordinators do anything for you? Because it seems like for a while there, A.J. Brown became touchdown dependent. But if you look at it, he has a double-digit touchdowns. In, in the playoffs, we saw him getting more looks inside. the. They finally started using his size. But with a change of, of offensive coordinator, does that change anything else for him, for Julio? Does Because many think, well, that, obviously Julio is going to get his looks. Yeah. What if Julio gets his 100 targets all of a sudden? What does that take away from Brown? Are you in that? Are you on that class to saying, man, this is bad for Brown? Or are you the one that says, 
Well, he'll have more quality looks because they have to be honest on Julio. Julio has to get – you have to stay honest on that side, so Brown's going to have less coverage. I agree. Yeah, and I think they're going to throw the ball a little bit more. And, I mean, play action with Derrick Henry in the backfield, I mean, it's going to be wide open for those guys. And safeties are going to be rolling towards Julio. So I think it's a great opportunity for A.J. Brown. It's a great opportunity for you getting on the show Got about an hour and a half left. We're talking fantasy. We're going to talk about a little bit about football. I'm going to give you a little bit of preseason trends. Nothing too crazy because it's preseason, but something that stuck out to me, and I think it's a gem in the rough here on Moneyline ESPN 97.5. This is ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Fun Sports. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back. Big Boss Marshall, we're still talking wide receivers on Twitch during the uh, break at twitch.tv backslash ESPN 97.5. Being a Saints fan, he says, I'm not touching any of the Saints wide receivers. That's where I want to start while we're talking wide receivers. How do you feel about one Michael Thomas? Oh, man. it's We've known that him and the Saints have had some disagreements, but now with, you know, if, if you guys haven't seen, you know, he went, Three months without getting back in contact with them, something like that. Let us know how you're doing. Yeah. The calls were made. He ghosted them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he pops up and then decides to have a surgery that could have been had. He could have been on his way to recovery. Now all of a sudden the team has to take the fall for this. Mm-hmm. There's character issues. Obviously there was a scratch last season. We heard there was in locker room fighting. Yep. Diva wide receiver though. What do you expect? That's the thing, right? That, that's his personality. Michael Thomas was that guy when he was coming out in the draft, and a lot of people saw him as a second-round pick and not a first-round pick. He was going after you know, the draft experts and you know, letting them know how wrong they were about him and that he's a first-rounder. And, and when he turned out to be a great player, he proceeded to shove it in their face even more. But he was right. He was, you know, He's one of the best receivers in the league. He probably should have gone in the first round. But... I think it's interesting, man, with the Saints. I, I really wonder who's going to end up playing quarterback for them, you know, and, and I wonder why Michael Thomas is is acting out so much. You know, maybe he got in a fight with the medical staff or he didn't agree with, you know, how they saw his injury. I don't know, but this isn't the first time we've seen something like this from him. And if he can't act right with Drew Brees, yeah. uh, you know, under center and with power, you think he's going to listen to a team that's got Jameis Winston out there? Yeah. That that's just it's doomed. Yeah. At one point or another, if he's not getting the ball enough, or Winston's throwing bad ball, I could just see him mouthing off. He's the type that, to me, that would be mouthing off. Now, as far as fantasy rankings, some had him around that uh, top ten, but not not in the upper uh, part of that. Let's say from the seven to some people even had him to twelve. Now some have him in the forty range, not knowing when his ter- uh, the timetable was yeah. for his return. If they if he misses the first eight games of the season. 
I mean, when do you take a chance on him? Man. It's Michael Thomas. You know that he can win your season at the end of this at the year. If, he, if you if you get lucky and you get him and he comes back and he starts acting out, you got a bargain. You he can potentially win your league for you, no doubt. But you also have to just carry him on your roster for half the season. And you know how important those roster spots are. I mean, that's just a dead spot carrying Michael Thomas. And, you know, you might have an injury on your fantasy team and you need to pick somebody up. And and Michael Thomas is sitting there on your roster and you're like, well, I know I'm not going to play him for two months. And then you end up cutting him, right? So then you wasted a draft pick because you end up cutting the guy maybe four weeks into the season, three weeks into the season. So, you know, there's a lot of risk reward, but there's he takes up roster space. That's a concern. 713-780-3776. 713-780-3776. Let's talk some fantasy. Let's talk some gambling. Let's talk Dwayne Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Not practicing and happy. I saw a Texans fan run to the computer. Yep. He ran to Twitter and said, hey, they got something right. Did they? Or is this just a matter of $10 million isn't enough? Well, remember, he, he was upset when all the guaranteed money was off his deal in Houston, and, and he wanted out. And we just assumed that... You know, he had his issues with Mr. McNair. We've talked about that. And uh, it, maybe it wasn't just about his issues with the organization and political type stuff. It was also about money. And here we are again, and he wants more money. He is 35 years old, you know, so I can understand Seattle not wanting to give him a long contract extension. He's talking like he's 25. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. I, I that's the first thing I said. Well, what is he looking for? Let's see how old he is. And I'm thinking, what's the market for a. A 35, about to be 36, yeah. I believe, this month. Yeah, August 30th, he'll be 36. I, mean, the- I, I just I can't see giving him a long extension. I w- maybe I'd rework his deal, give him a little more guaranteed money or something like that. But, you know, extending him, I would try to avoid it. But it's hard to find good left tackles, that's for sure. Because at this point, though, he's already making – Around that ten area, yeah. ten million. What is he looking for? I guess job security. Yeah, because he's scared as well. That thirty-five, if he can lock up some more money here, an extension, then then he's good. He knows around that thirty-eight range. <laughs> what do I have left? Well, I have this money, and he's trying to play smart here. He knows that they got to protect their quarterback. Yep. That's the main piece. So he says, "Hey, if you need me, I know you need me. Then pay me." But I'm not sure I would. No, I, look, this is his last chance to cash in on a big contract. So that that's what he's trying to do. I, I can't blame him for trying to get his money. But, you know, if you're Seattle, I don't think I'd be inclined to do that. What's your outlooks on Seattle, man, this year? Uh, just from a, a brief overview, from a fantasy standpoint, we're starting with, with Russell. Is, a, is it another Russell Cooks campaign to start the season? But then, remember, towards the middle of that, they went away from what was working. They went back to running the ball. Do you think that they go back to let's keep Russ happy? Because we saw that, that Russ was – was unhappy during the the off season. We we saw that he he even made some comments about uh, Coach Carroll and and his son be having some involvement in the organization. And you start thinking, well, is this the end of Russell Wilson? You started seeing the, the who was it the, the the mayor from New Orleans or whoever yeah. it was making a campaign. Come, please, Sierra, come over here. What I was thinking, man, this is crazy if Russ leaves. But is this a put 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 the team on my shoulder, a, a play with a chip on my shoulder kind of thing year for for Russ and. Do you fire him up, and how high do you draft him? Man, I I like Russ a lot. He got off to a blazing start last year. He just kind of 
towards the back half of the season, he wasn't as effective. Kyler Murray was kind of in the same boat, kind of same thing with him. Murray got that shoulder injury, and then he wasn't quite as good the back half of the season. But, I mean, Wilson's still arguably like a top-five pick at quarterback. You know, you have to look at your strategy for quarterback, right? I like to wait a long time. You know, but if if you if you like to prioritize quarterback, you're going to have to take him somewhere in the middle rounds. But I, I think he'll come through for you. You know, he'll he'll get a little bit of yardage with his legs. You love his receivers with Lockett and Metcalf. So you know, I yeah, I like Russell this year. Cooks, my question is this: as far as quarterbacks, and depending again where you get your your average draft positions, but let's use someone like Kyler Murray. ESPN has him three. Yahoo has him about four. Fan tracks three. So he's right around that three point two call it range. He's an, ahead of Lamar Jackson. He's ahead of Dak. He's ahead of Russell Wilson. And then right under Russell, you have Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers. How comfortable are you with that? Or would you move around things? Would you have Herbert a little bit higher? Or would you have Rodgers? If thinking about things, Rodgers is, according to this, ESPN has him at four, but most places have him about the six, seven, eight range. Yeah. And, you know, the rankings that I, I see that I'm looking at right now have him at 10. See, so, that's a big fall-off. It's a big fall-off, but you have to remember, Aaron doesn't use his legs that much anymore. And it was a huge touchdown year for him last year, and it was kind of an outlier. He hadn't thrown that many touchdowns in a long time. So you have to worry about regression again You know, with Aaron Rodgers. Is, is he going to – You know, he was the MVP last year. Is he going to have stats like that again? You know, I, I think he's going to be good. But you have to be careful. Fantasy football has become, if your quarterback can't run and get you some points, he's got to be amazing with his arm. You know, like he's, he's got to throw for a bunch of touchdowns, very little, lots of yardage, because he's not getting you any, any points with his legs. So, you know, that's just something to consider. Like you look at Aaron Rodgers. Here's why this is happening, Jerry. Last year, Aaron Rodgers, 48 touchdowns, right? Year before that, he only had, let's see, 26 and he played all 16 games. And then in 2018, he had 25 touchdowns. And he played, he played all 16 games. So, I mean, that's a big drop-off, man. From, he went from 26 touchdowns to 48. You know, if you just regress the mean, like even split those numbers, you know, maybe he gets 32, 33 touchdowns this year. And that's a big drop-off. Yeah, it's a big drop-off. Now, with, people are chiming in right now on Twitter saying, didn't Russ uh, wasn't Russell Wilson running from his last uh, running for his life last year? Yeah. What is I mean? What does Dwayne Brown really do? Well, I mean, he's a good player, but we've seen it here in Houston with Laramie Tunsil. Just because you have one good offensive lineman, they can just rush from the other side. You know, Dwayne Brown asking for an extension is a sit your ass down. If, if sit your ass down was a person, that's what it was. Like sit your ass down. Mm-hmm. What are, What are you asking for money for? We know exactly what you do. They pull up. They say this. You're a senior citizen. Mm-hmm. You want to get paid one more time on our expense? Can't blame him for trying. All they can say is no, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're listening to Moneyline ESPN 97.5. Food and rain rule. You're listening to ESPN 97.5. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to the panic meter, where we're going to see how high the meter goes, according to players. Carson Wentz, as we get a little bit more news, right? 
And now they're saying that it could be shorter than than initially expected, but they don't they don't want to put a timetable exact on it. But they're real confident in Jacob Eason going forward. Now I went to the to the odds minus one seventy five that Eason is the week one starter. I think that's a solid bet, right? Uh, let's see. I think Carson's going to be out anywhere from I don't know four to six weeks, it, somewhere around like there. that. Yeah, I know they said all the way up to twelve, but. You know, I that that's my guess. So I, I don't think Carson's going to miss much time. As far as week one, that's uh, a little dicey to me. I'm not, I think it's right going to right up until that game. We're going to be saying, is he going to go or is he not going to go? I think it'll be close. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. How much are you panicking if you have Carson Wentz? If you drafted a little early, or if you have what Michael Pittman, maybe Paris Campbell, maybe T. Y. Hilton. But these are all guys that. By no means were you going to draft them higher, high up in the in the in the let's say top six, seven rounds. But once you pass that, and you're looking for fillers, you start saying, "Well, who's a wide receiver one over there? I'll I'll take a chance." Or T.Y. Hilton, anytime he's playing the Houston Texans, fire him up. We pushed that hard on this show last year. T.Y. He's a Texans killer. I also with Jonathan Taylor. How does it affect the running game when you don't have a legitimate quarterback to to keep the defense honest? I think. I'd probably bump down Jonathan Taylor just a little bit. But like I said, I don't think Carson's going to be out for 12 weeks. I mean, I don't know that, but I, I don't think it's going to be that long. So, you know, maybe I'd, I'd downgrade Jonathan Taylor just a little bit, but not too much. How high is the I'm worried meter on Dak Prescott now that head coach Mike McCarthy's using the terms a little more conservative? You go in here, someone like Troy Eggman say, there's no way that they're not that they're being this conservative. There's something to this. It's a lot more serious than they're than they're leading us to believe. As for right now, though, all we can go is what they're saying is, hey, we're going to be conservatives. We're we're, we're not going to press them, and we're going to play it. What they say, we'd rather use a later than sooner mentality. Yeah. What's the worry there, or you just it's just no worry at all? They're just playing it safe. Who cares about this preseason? Let's just get to the yeah. Week I, one. I think it's more them just being overly cautious. I, I think that's pretty much what it is, you know. And Zeke Elliott was asked about it when he was interviewed before or during the Hall of Fame game, and he didn't seem overly concerned about Dak. I I, I think when it's it's time for real games, I think he'll be ready to go. And that's why I asked though, because he's a top five and again, depending what your ADP is, but yeah. he's he's around that. He's he's right below Lamar Jackson, right around Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert. Do you rather take a chance and, and play it safe with a Russell Wilson that maybe's in there? And I'm I'm not sure how much preseason we see of him, if any. But do you take a chance on a guy that you know is 100 percent healthy and, and isn't coming off a drastic injury rather than going on deck? The way I like to do it is I put these guys kind of in tiers, right? So I'll you know I'll have kind of Dak Prescott in that group and Russell Wilson in that group. You know, maybe Kyler Murray's still on the board. He's in that group. And what I like to do is I take the last guy that's still on the board. So whoever that is, instead of me, like, targeting a certain player, I group them in certain tiers. And then when that last guy in that tier is available, that's usually, you know, when, I, when I'll make a selection and grab him. So I'm more looking at value than I'm targeting players is kind of how I look at it. Sticking with the Cowboys, how high is the worry meter on Amari Cooper? Oh, I'm starting to worry. I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be the number one receiver in this in this offense. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to be a top five wide receiver yeah. as far as fantasy scoring. If not a top three guy. Um, I, I see a lot of big plays in his future. 
I see a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. If if he can start getting to double-digit touchdowns, I know he'll be hitting that 1,000 yards in an offense that's got so many weapons already. Yeah. Imagine if anything opened up for him, as in Cooper not being around. Quote, I wouldn't say I'm quite 100% yet, but I'm real close. Uh, Cowboys uh, owner Jerry Jones came out and said that he wouldn't practice until after the se- uh, second preseason game. That's where we're at right now. Uh, I I'm not sure how much of a chance I'm taking on him because again, if you, I want, I want if any piece, obviously CD Lamb, but you're gonna have to pay up for him. You yeah. know he's the sexy thing right now going around on Twitters. All of a sudden, you're seeing just videos of everywhere you turn. You see a video of CD Lamb catching something over the over the shoulder. Yeah, and you're thinking, well, I'm gonna draft that guy. Someone's gonna overdraft him. I hate that because they take away the value. They do, and. We see this every year in the preseason. Some guy has a you know breakout performance, and then his draft stock completely changes. And, yeah, you're right. Twitter has been full of all these highlight videos of C.D. Lamb. I, I think they're both kind of in the same area. They're, they're high-end number two receivers, you know, so somewhere in the early teens. You know, they're top 15 type players, assuming Amari Cooper is healthy and he starts the season. But, yeah, I like C.D. Lamb, but you're right. He's going to go off the board quick. How about one Devontae Smith? Oh man, and it's 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 minor MCL sprain. Yeah, it, it is. I just I I don't like the mojo in Philly right now. You know what I mean? That's that's the one thing I like to look at before the season starts. Is just kind of a good vibes, bad vibes, and that worries me a little bit. And especially since his quarterback is not the greatest thrower of the football. You know, he's a guy that you know maybe in the middle to late rounds I'd take a flyer on him, but. He's not a guy I'm targeting per se. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Who are you more most worried about if you if you have a player? Is it now people are worrying about Jonathan Taylor because at first it seemed well he's going to get a lot more carries now, but then you start saying well aren't defense going to aren't defense is going to key on him more? Are are they scared of Easton's arm? Are they scared of those wide receiver threats? Yeah. No, it's definitely a concern. And they had, you know, a big injury on their offensive line, too. I think they lost a tackle in the offseason. So that's what we loved about the Colts, right, was how good that offensive line is. And right now it's it's not quite what it was last season. That they, They're going to have to get healthy and, and figure some things out. So I love the talent of Jonathan Taylor, but we talked about it on the show, Jerry. Naeem Hines has a role. You know, like he's going to catch a lot of passes. The third down back usually. Yeah. That means you usually get taken off the field. When Hines was healthy, they yeah. usually would take a Taylor off the field. Even in goal line situations, you'd see Hines still out there. And they, you know, flip the ball to him. So that's something to watch for sure. Big Boss Marshall says Jameis Winston's going to surprise some people this year. And he very well could. He's going to throw 40 and 40. 40 <laughs> touchdowns and 40 interceptions. You heard it here first. Moneyline ESPN 97.5. This is Heisman Trophy winner, college football Hall of Famer, Eddie George, and you're listening to ESPN 97.5.